0: Welcome to Season 6 of Talking Home Renovations with the Housemaiden. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Massachusetts. My specialty is additions and renovations to older homes. I'm especially interested in sustainable renovations and new technologies. This season, I'll be speaking with women in renovations. These women could be in construction, real estate, design. It could be homeowners with a story to tell. Each will bring her experience and advice to people who are planning a home renovation of their own. The first five seasons have covered all aspects of home renovations, from foundations to roofing, sustainable renovations, DIY projects, how to hire professionals, and there are lots of home renovation stories and advice from all types of people. This week, I am revisiting an early episode with British architect Debbie Bentley. It was episode nine, and we discussed renovations with an eye to the future and sustainability. This conversation took place in January of 2020, and we did not see the pandemic coming, but we did talk about what our future might look like here in Massachusetts, including increased rainfall. Three and a half years later, I feel like we're seeing a bit of that future. She has practical ideas about the most sustainable way to renovate your home. Here's my conversation with Debbie. Well, thanks for coming back onto the show. You're welcome. You're welcome and enjoy it. Very, very kind of you. Um, I would say one of your big ways that you contribute to society is through
1: sustainability. Absolutely. Um, It's uh, part and parcel of my life now. Um, And even my child has now uh, completed a sustainability, a major in sustainable development from St. Andrew's University. So the whole family is in for it now. Well, that's good. Well, she learned well from you. Yeah, yeah. This
0: idea of environmentally friendly renovations is a huge topic. And so we are, in the spirit of this podcast, going to try to get people to know a little bit about what they don't know. So we can't possibly cover everything in 25 minutes or
1: so. No. Uh, The first thing I've um, I've noticed from clients is that they always come to me saying, oh, we need X, Y, and Z as an addition. And often um, they uh, have, have thought adding on to the house is the only way to solve their problem rather than necessarily reorganizing their house. Right. Um, and sometimes people aren't aware just how long it takes to do work and get permissioning and do this, that, and the next thing. A lot of the time, I actually sit down and say, well, if, you know, if you want this because you've got two or three almost teenage or teenage kids and it's going to take us three years to get there, think about what you're building because how quickly are those kids going to be leaving the house? Right. And, and, or if you, you know, don't, you know, I have actually suggested to one of my very close friends who came and asked me, and I said, you know, actually renting a Winnebago for a couple of years might actually solve your problem, because then, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> Wait she, a minute,
0: how, how can you rent a win- How do you, where do you I get one of those?
1: Why, I don't buy one. I I don't know. But, you know, it was like, you know, she had a couple of uh, kids that were one year after the other, and it was like, by the time I finished, You know, the kid's going to be out of the house. You really think what you need. You know, everybody's been told to buy less. And I guess in architecture, we should be saying build less. Right. That doesn't mean you need to have a tiny house. Uh, A tiny house is a caravan that doesn't have wheels, really. Uh, A lot of people can't live that way. But, um, you know, just sit there and really address, you know, do you really need? I actually had a client wanted an 800 square foot closet for herself. Just for her clothes, not for his clothes, just for her clothes. A what? Yeah. And, you know, it's like buy less clothes. I mean, I shouldn't be so rude, but it is. Well, we now need to look at that that way. You know, um, honestly,
0: I did say that to a client one time who had a walk-in closet and she was crammed full of clothes and she wanted to take up half her bedroom with a, cl- a more closet. So I did say, you know, I don't mean to talk myself out of a job here, but you could get rid of some of these clothes. Uh, yeah,
1: I, right. so I mean, <laughs> I would rather say to people, be honest and say, it, this is the solution to your problem rather than than spend a lot of time and energy. And So
0: building building
1: less just means less materials, less energy put into the whole... Yeah, yeah. think about how you need it. You think? Maybe you can solve your problem temporarily by putting up shelves or something, um, you know, and dividing a room that way. Uh, you know there are other ways um, of solving problems. If it's going to be a relatively short-term thing, other things need to be done. You know bathrooms do need to be upgraded and things like that. But just really think what you need. Yeah, thinking about the footprint. Yeah, too, of what and you're doing. yeah. And the other thing is, is that, as you say, start thinking about how long you're going to be in the house. Is this going to be your aging-in-place house? And if it is, think about how you're going to do the addition. A lot of house, um, towns have um, accessible dwelling zonings that allow aging in place. So make sure you design the house so that you could uh, stay in it and maybe rent out a bit of it as an accessory dwelling, but design it in when you do the work. Okay. So you give extra longevity to... Um, to your house and most people hate moving and aging in place is very common so
0: that's a good suggestion so if you are going to do any renovation think about it how you might be using
1: it long term into your absolutely life. absolutely we can learn from our grandparents or our parents and how they lived mm-hmm. um I, you know so um you know vest what used to be called vestibules which are now called mudrooms are fantastic because they're actually effective you as long as you have a door on uh, you know, a door to close it off. It becomes an airlock between right. the outside and the in. And that is actually really crucial because what you want to do is not lose the hot air from your house going outside or the cold air, depending on where you are, if you're in a hot climate. But these, these kind of spaces are really, really crucial. So make sure that you have one, you know, not, not tracking your dirt into the house, which is my favorite one about, you know, take your shoes off in the mudroom, please. Mm-hmm. Um, because then your house is cleaner You use less chemicals, and remember, every you know, we stay inside our house. We we live internally; we don't live externally. So, ninety percent of our time is within a building. So, any chemicals you use to clean your house, Mm. they stay in the air, right? You know. So, the less you use, the healthier you are. True curtains are great uh, they're sort of out of fashion and um, i'm sort of sadly lacking them in my studio here as i look up in the night but uh, curtains are fantastic uh, you know uh, in london we used to have a curtain over the front door
0: no oh, over the just right over the door to keep the draft why would, at nighttime?
1: yeah night time we had a curtain over the front door we had a you know and yeah exactly keep the drafts out hmm. um it was an old-fashioned thing and the curtain rail was there and we thought well why not put the curtain up there and no, well, that makes total sense because they're that would really help. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most doors are not insulated uh, unless they're very contemporary doors. So true. You do that. And the other one, which I learned from um, a building scientist, um, he says uh, if you poop, have your uh, library against an external wall, it helps with the insulation because the books absorb. Oh. So, now, who has books, though? Nobody reads books anymore, absolutely. do they? Absolutely. It's kind of an old-fashioned version. Like, there <laughs> well, we go. the, good,
0: the good news is you can get a lot of cheap books at um, yard sales now because nobody <laughs> wants them. No, I'm joking. I have books. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have books.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know. It was just one of those interesting facts. And he says, you know, when you put a thermal imaging camera up, you know, you can see where people have books. <laughs> you know, really? Like, That's really right. interesting. When it comes to climate change, which is a very hot topic with client, clients these days, one of the things that so a lot of people are obsessed with the insulation and this, that, you know, LED lights and all these things. But what they're not looking again, going back to the seven ages of man, what is the world going to be like in 2030? What's your climate going to be like in 2030, 2040? Your house is going to last a long time. Right. So you really have to check out what it is. And here in Massachusetts, the climate's going to get warmer and we're going to get a lot more rain and, uh, and a lot more. F- thaw-freeze issues, which is actually, um, that, that will cha- have to change the way we, we detail and design buildings. Mm. Um, and there was a renowned building scientist who stated there are three issues that affect the longevity of your home, and they are water, water. And water. And that's (laughs) not a view of water, I might add. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, you really, as we're going to get more water, you've really got to think about how the water is coming down onto your roof, how it's getting off the roof and where it's going when when it hits the ground. So, um, you know, one of the things is to think about your landscaping. Because that water, once you get it off your roof, has to go somewhere. And what you don't want it really to do, and some ordinances are already saying this, is they don't want the water to go onto somebody else's property. So you have to get involved and with thinking about how the landscape is, using gravel, using uh, meadowlands, native meadowlands that will sort of can absorb the water. Right. Keeping the water off the
0: neighbor's property is definitely an issue here. That they look at. And it's harder because if you only have six feet to the lot line, what can you do? And then you're supposed to bring the water off of your roof, away from your foundation, but you can't put it right on the neighbor's
1: property. Exactly. No, it is a big, big issue, um, which was going to become a bigger issue. And it's not really one I'm seeing addressed much, but you really got to think about how your roof is designed. You know, if you're doing a new addition, keep it simple. Mm. Uh, because every single time you have a junction in any roofing material, that is an area it can fail. So, um, you know, the simpler your roof is, the better. This is what we're trying to imagine what the life is going to be like in the future. I mean, for instance, how quickly are we going to get to uh, driverless cars and well, cars cars on call?
0: Cars on call, are those the ones that just deliver pizza without a person in it? Is that well, we
1: kind of like that? Actually, we'll have driverless, yeah, driverless automated vehicles that we'll just use as a taxi and uh, we won't be driving, they'll be driving. Mm. Um, and the reason for that is that actually, they will be safer, they know that, than uh, than human beings. So what's going to happen to, to that extra space? You will have extra space. The question is how soon, mm. you know, uh, it, and what do we use, all the parking lots that we have in, in the center of town well that's where um, you park the driverless cars i guess uh except you the driverless park cars can use less um less area because they don't have to get people in and out because they drop the people off wherever they're going and then they go and park. oh
0: yeah so they could all just bounce yeah, right in together
1: exactly exactly it's very, well, mm, yeah, it's very interesting yeah. <laughs> yeah i haven't thought of that <laughs> going on to the future world but that's kind of how we're looking at it how we are how are things going to be changing? How do we change the distribution center so people are growing farms vertically so food isn't being trucked in from the countryside? Yeah. You know, these are the things that architects are looking at. And, and, and it's really hard for people to get their heads around. But this is, this is the transition we will be going in in the next, um, the next few decades. Well, honestly, there's a lot going on right now. It's hard to get so i'm going to go back to things that we do know about we know about windows 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 we do know about windows windows have been around for a long 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 time and um there's a general rule of thumb windows are very good for you because they let light in and they mean you don't need to have the light on all the time Mm -hmm. and um they also um by having a view out of a window it makes you healthier we know that and and also um, it helps with the Cycladean rhythm, especially as you get older. Mm. Um, it's really important to have uh, large windows. So the Victorians had it right. They had large windows because, you know, they thought it, high ceilings were good and healthy places to be. But it turns out that you know, they had it right because it actually has lots of light <laughs> and, and it keeps you healthier. So um, they're very good, but the rule of thumb is an external, any external walls shouldn't have more than 30% uh, of windows in them. So when you're thinking about your windows, you've got to think about the view out, because that's really important. Obviously, right. what it looks like from the outside, pretty mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, also the percentage of, you know, do you really need that wall of glass? Or would one very carefully designed window do the job? Okay, um, And 30% of, of, uh, of glass will give you adequate daylighting. It's not a problem. All um, right. That's good fact, something to yeah, think about. Yeah, yeah. So those are the sort of things that are really, as a sort of rule of thumb, when you're thinking about doing work to your house, these are good things to know. On both sides of the Atlantic, the professional institutes have actually embedded sustainable designs in their code of ethics now. So any, if you go to anyone who is a registered uh, professional they will have to consider uh, and talk to you uh, proactively about um, sustainability and and considering the environment when you design. Mm. But the latest thing that's caused a stir uh, in the – well, we kind of known it's been coming, but we didn't really have enough research uh, until last year is that we need to be considering the embedded carbon that's the – the energy used to create a, bu- a building material, as well as just the uh, energy used by a building once it's built. Mm. Um, and it turned out that it's about, on average, it's about 30% is of the building is the, bu- the energy used once the building is built. So the other 60% is actually the energy that's being used to create the building materials. And, and the big hiccup was they calculated that the concrete industry creates 8% of the world's carbon emissions, mm. which when you consider the, um, the airplane, traveling by airplane is only 2%. You can see, uh, yeah, it's four times bigger than everybody traveling by airplanes. Mm. Uh, so, um, so this is going to really have to change the way that architects build and specify and think about materials. Yes. You know. I mean, here in in the Northeast, we obviously, wood is a much more common material for us to use. So we kind of, we're lucky out. But in I used to work in um, the Middle East and certainly concrete is the building material that they use there. So, yeah, so we really have to start looking at that. And so it... Um, For the people that are more professional, um, who are listening to the podcast, there was an excellent keynote lecture given at the NESE conference here last year. So that's N-E-S-E-A. And it was given by some Canadian professors and they had analyzed that if you architects, all architects designed to create a high uh, efficient or a highly efficient efficient building using, you know, high performance materials because most of these materials are actually um, carbon-based and uh, mm-hmm. they're petroleum-based, um, they would actually, uh, if you, everybody did it, will basically make the, um, the global warming a lot worse.
0: Oh, I hate stuff <laughs> like that. So, so... <laughs> I just not in the mood to hear more bad news today.
1: Well, well what was interesting was they, they came out with good news. They didn't just tell us the bad news. They said, if you can actually build... a a non a a, a perfectly good house without using the high performance materials Mm -hmm. and they started using things like hempcrete Mm -hmm. which putting hemp into concrete and thinking about how uh, using plant-based materials in as a building form because that way you're actually embedding carbon into your building rather than using carbon materials to build your building materials okay so there are, is hope, it's an absolute excellent uh, lecture, and I have watched it at least three or four times. Do you watch um, it on, on YouTube or something? It's on YouTube. Just oh. Google Nessie, 19 keynote speaker, okay. and you'll, you'll get it. And it's just, it's really, really um, riveting. Okay. Um,
0: will do that. I'll, yes. <laughs> I'll also put that in the show notes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, um, but our problem is as, as, as designers, how do we advise our clients? What, what they choose? Because at the moment we don't actually, we don't actually have the information know. You know, saying this is, this is how much carb embedded carbon is in a material. So it, it it's this is something that's missing, uh, one key part of the jigsaw puzzle that's missing and will be filled in. But it's like it's harder if people are asking you now and you're going, oh, I'm, I'm having to wait for the data to come through on that. Mm. Um, hopefully, building um, what will happen is that manufacturers be told they have to provide it a bit like you get that, you know, you get how much energy is in food yes on your labels that on your be, panel, yeah and how much how much energy
0: is in your shower bil- curtain yes, absolutely which are
1: you bringing me on to the shower curtain problem
0: no, i love the shower curtain conundrum
1: <laughs> so this this came this this whole conundrum is all down to you you realize this because of your <laughs> two basins that you wanted uh, so, my- why do you why do people want two basins in their vanity master, and two vanity basins in their master bathroom? Yeah. So I started questioning everything. You know, it's like, well, why do we have this? Why do we have that? Well, I, I didn't question why we had a WC, I must admit. Right, we kind of need uh, them. <laughs> but why do we have glass shower enclosures? Why yeah. do we? I, why do we? I don't know. I don't have one. And yeah, I don't and, think you have one. No, I don't have one because we ran out of money. Right, that's why I you don't just, have one. I just... <laughs> I did, I designed our bathroom to have one, yeah. and we were out of money. And, you know, guess what? You can go to a local rather large big box store that's blue and yellow on the outside and buy a shower curtain and uh, a pole for very, very little money, and that solves the problem. Is that the, um, place, the same place you buy Swedish meatballs? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And so uh, that's how we solved our shower, shower right. uh, uh, splashing of water onto the bathroom floor problem for the last 13 years. Right. And Probably for under $30. Definitely under $30. And we've yeah. actually replaced the curtain a couple of times. So um, or maybe spent maybe $30 now. Um, but the question is, so how, how much energy is used to create a... Um, a vinyl shower curtain versus how much energy is used to create the shower door. You know, the thing about a shower shower, um, enclosure is it's tempered glass. Now, glass can be recycled and uh, you'll even have recycled glass in your float. uh, A shower enclosure is made from float glass. Um, But uh, you can't recycle tempered glass. And it's tempered there because it's obviously a safety issue. Um, So uh, it has, although a lot of plate uh, float glass has a a cradle to cradle rating that's called bronze. Obviously, if it's tempered glass, it has no cradle to cradle. It's cradle to grave because Mm. there's no other way of recycling it. So yeah, I have. I suspect a vinyl in that case, a vinyl curtain is going to be more environmentally friendly, even though it's made from a petroleum product.
0: Mm, yeah, but there's also the um, the shipping of both items, the weight yeah, of the items, and how much exactly how much energy it takes to get well manufacture them, what they're made out of, how they get to you, where they came from. There are a lot of aspects.
1: Yes, exactly. What about just tiling the whole bathroom and not having a shower curtain? I think that's a solution. I really do because yeah. having a drain in the middle of the room. Well, no, no, not unless you even have that or have a really long, like it, you know, having a, a long recess into the shower, having a bigger shower. You know, you can then have an area for having a bench in the shower if you, you know, if you get older and, you know, need to sit down and shower, thinking about longevity. So maybe just having a bigger area and, and, the, and so the water doesn't come all the way into the room might be the way to go.
0: But you know what I find interesting or kind of fascinating about this, uh, this question of a shower enclosure and what's the best environmentally, what's the best choice? Is that it's really unclear what the best
1: choice is. Well, this is why I wish there was a sort of cheat sheet. Back. Maybe we need to write it. Cheat sheet. This is you know well, this, this cost so much. This is bronze, gold, and silver. I don't know. Uh, mm.
0: Well, there are there are websites like that where you can get information on certain materials like that.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. Um so but they're sort of they're still coming online. They're still getting there. Also, you don't know really you don't always know who's writing them. That's the problem. Are these self the manufacturers self certifying or not? Um, yeah. And I think that's the biggest issue.
0: Well, you can almost drive yourself crazy with these things, but I do think it's important for people too, just to just have an awareness of them and decide if they care or don't care, and then. And then do some research about the materials they're going to be putting into their houses,
1: if they care. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You can go to places. You can go to um, Habitat for Humanity stores. Mm -hmm. That's true. There are reuse centers, several of them. Reuse centers, um, and you can pick up stuff. I have to make sure my husband doesn't pick up too much stuff there because we might be taking it back. Um, uh, But, yeah, you can get things like tiles and stuff like that that have have been surplus to requirement. Um, Yep, that's what
0: we did for our our renovation here, we just chose whatever windows were available and made it, made it work. Absolutely. Yeah. And doors and um, crown molding, tile, a lot of, I mean, you can find almost anything. Paint, if you don't care as much about the color, you can just choose what they have there. Also our stove came from, from there because they, it had been on display for 10 years somewhere and had never really been used.
1: And the other thing is just be aware of um, all the new building products that are coming online that, um, are being invented and developed um, uh, using um, tr- again trying to use a bit like wood for instance wood is being now made into composite materials um, so this will be wood that could be offcuts from something else which is now being made into composite sliding material so you can get you know um, siding instead of having hundred percent cedar siding you can get a composite wood material and that's really good as well. Again they're they're just coming online and but the nice thing is actually um, I just um I just had a, a notification on Facebook that one of these wood siding companies is now doing it in really interesting colors yeah. which I thought was might make it a bit jolly you know you didn't now have self-sided bright blue
0: I feel like a little bit discouraged where people are still putting vinyl on their houses and, um, they just think it's just too, it's just too much maintenance to deal with, with the wood.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the thing is, if you have natural building materials there, it's a bit like they're slightly more, they are more expensive Mm -hmm. when you have natural building materials, but if you detail them correctly when they're installed, they do last a lifetime. Um, but it's just making sure that, um, that thing, your, your buildings are built together. I mean, we, when I was working in the, um, before I moved to America, I was working for a uh, renowned energy efficient um, architect uh, who was actually a professor, taught at school, written has written all the books. And we had to build a building that had, that would not need any maintenance for 30 years. Mm. And every single building material that we specified had to last for a hundred years.
0: Wow. Did you build, did you build it?
1: We did. We did. And we had some very interesting experiments about, you know, could what could a building material do? We would sometimes, um, you know, go and check them to destruction. <laughs> but we did. We actually found a damp proof course that had been used on, um, on Tower Bridge. So we hmm. knew it lasted 100 years. Wow. So, now, um, How long ago did you build it? That was 1993. And it's still there. And it's, I, I, I've seen pictures of it recently and it looks just the same. It looks like we've done it. That's great.
0: Um, Congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> um,
1: so, so you can do it, but you have to make sure the building is detailed properly. As I say, there's new materials that we've been, uh, for instance, it was very interesting. When I came to America all those years ago, I couldn't believe you used asphalt shingles on the roof. Yeah, they're not I mean, pretty. I, well, they're not pretty and they're made from carbon. And, and yeah. even, even 20 years ago, it was like, you're putting asphalt on the roof? That's what you use to drive on a road. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because in, in the UK, we used typically used um, uh, cement fiber material, uh, which is fake slate, basically. It looks like slate, but it isn't. And it's very durable. It's got you a know, 30-year lifespan, if not more. Um, and it's very lightweight, so very similar to, um, this, but it, uh, to asphalt, but it's made from cement fiber, which is must be less than asphalt when it comes to carbon, uh, embedded carbon, even yeah. though it's a cement uh, based product. Um, but now recently they've actually, what was interesting is they've brought it over to the U S but they're using it as a siding material, not as a roofing material. So I'm used to seeing this on a roof. Hmm. Uh, they're they're selling it as siding panels for, for buildings. Uh, uh, And it gives quite a nice contemporary feel to it. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, so there are sort of interesting uh, materials that we aren't, you know, that are used in different places that for some reason, because of, you know, distaste or it's too difficult to import software or whatever, they haven't been used, but anything that comes by ship is actually got relatively light carbon footprint. Shipping is actually quite efficient in Uh containers. So. You know, you might think, oh, my gosh, that's coming from Estonia. It's um, going to have an enormous carbon footprint, but it doesn't. Mm. Um, I would have thought that. Yeah. Well, actually, trucking is worse than shipping. Trucking, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Where are those wood windows from uh, wherever it is, Wisconsin? Mm-hmm. Or I know, yeah. So- yeah. You know. How did it get, get to us? Nobody really talks to us about that. I think they just think come from the store.
0: there's they just, just- the store up the road that's where you get them
1: <laughs> yeah i know you're right you're right um so <laughs> uh, you know there's some things you can do that are not too difficult usually like adding extra insulation to the roof um mm-hmm. you know there are different ways you can do this there's building science corporation has an excellent uh, reference papers on their website and uh, so that's good you know changing your light bulbs to led you know, making sure there are no gaps where any services, you know, any external walls come through, you know, making sure they're filled, trying to making as least least amount of air get out of the building as possible. But there, there is a general rule, rule of thumb when you come to renovating existing houses that anything you touch will cost money. So you really don't want to open up anything more than you need to because you might then find out, you know, you the building inspector might come up and say, oh, I need that up to code, I need that up to code. Right. And it can really start racking up the costs really, really fast. So, um, but, you know, so and that said, you should turn it to your advantage. You can take, for instance, when I, in I addition to house in Boxborough, And um, if we had added the new addition onto the existing existing furnace, we'd have had to upgrade the furnace and, you know, it would have kept going, you know, the cost would have run up. So what we did there was put um, a standalone heat, um, air source heat pump into the addition, Mm. which uh, heated and cooled because it's heat pump. It also has air conditioning. Um, And this is the way we will be going in the future. We know we'll be turning over to air source heat pumps or, or, or ground source heat, um, heat pumps um, in the future as we, we convert, everything is going to convert off fossil fuels onto renewable electricity. For many years, everybody goes, well, we shouldn't heat something by electricity, but soon this is the way we'll be going to go. Um, you know we, We're actually having a discussion about this last night. The problem is electricity costs in, in Massachusetts are high compared mm-hmm. to other parts of the country and fossil fuel prices are low but uh you know that may change that may change very quickly actually but we need to you need to be thinking we will you will be changing to uh, these heat pumps in the future and that's so whenever you're designing something that's where the way you should be going yeah
0: yeah so um
1: so really that's the thing um you know, there are other things with retrofitting that I wouldn't recommend. I wouldn't recommend, you know, I have a 1968 basement. You know, it's a, I have a split level effectively. So I have a very cold floor <laughs> when I go downstairs. And, and mm-hmm. you know, there is no way I could ever, ever justify hacking up that floor and insulating underneath it and then relaying the concrete floor. Because concrete wow. again is is the worst sub, one of the worst materials you can use. Plus the the dirt that would be caused the what would you find when you start opening up the bait uh, underneath the orange. yeah don't yeah
0: don't even bring it
1: up don't nobody absolutely should do that. and so when people talk about deep energy retrofits I kind of go like where do you stop. Because you've got, at some point, you've got to say, this is just too much. And and it will cost more. It will cost more in money and it will cost more in embedded energy to actually do the work than it would have been if you just left the house as it was. So there might be things, until we get more information, but, uh, you know, definitely look at insulating your roof because most of your energy will go up hot air goes up yeah mm-hmm. um and uh so that will be it and then think about the walls but gaps in the walls it's amazing you you find gaps everywhere in old houses
0: <laughs> you, do. you do and so do the
1: mice unfortunately <laughs> so that's one way of actually-
0: <laughs> i really appreciate your you're taking all this time to help me with this um, well i think question. it's so
1: important and i think it's a lot a lot of times people it's so confusing and there's it's such a fast-changing uh, world out there, especially um, recently with all the new materials and the new information that's coming online. It's yeah. great to just talk it through with people and just say, look, this is what's there. And actually, well, I don't have 100% of the answers, but that's okay because right we know it's all changing we know we're all having to learn and the more we share knowledge and share experiences the easier it is going to be um to to have have a successful outcome
0: thanks for listening to the podcast i wouldn't be able to do this without you the listener I invite you to join me on Instagram at Talking Home Renovations, where we are building up a friendly community. Other ways to get in touch are in the show notes, including the weekly newsletter that includes photos from the episodes. It's kind of worth signing up for that. Talking Home Renovations with Ows Maven is proud to be a member of Gable Media, the most engaged AEC network on the planet. If you're into architecture, check out what the network has to offer at gablemedia.com. That is is dot com. Until next time, take it easy.